Welcome to NBNR, the authority on unfiltered opinions and authentic player insight for Nebraska athletics. Connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and at nbnrpodcast.com. We have a saying, no block, no rock. You know, we just really love Otter. He's a junkyard dog. Hey, Kenny Bell ran up to me. He's like, you know what you just, what you just did? <laughs> you get mad. You went to go get in the portal and go to another podcast? You know, usually dumbbells are in pairs. They had five dumbbells. Hey, <laughs> gone it, Muhammad. G-B-R. Go Big Red Indeed, No Block, No Rock, Season 2, Episode 41, 61 days until kick in Ireland versus Northwestern. Of course, you all know about it. Let's get into our sponsor, guys. We are at the Nebraska Brewing Company Tap Room in 108th and Harrison in La Vista, Nebraska. I am drinking a Taco Vesa, which is a little different from what I usually drink. I like to Get a little experimental, a little heavy. You know what I'm saying? With the ABVs and the, oh, yeah. the, the pine cones and all that yeah, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pine cone expert over there. We're mm. broadening horizons, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's very light. It's very good. Um, what is the ABV? It's got to be like mid four, right? 4.5. 4. 5. Exactly. Look at that. Damn. Look at that. He and I knows ser- it. I seriously didn't know that. Certified beer expert. Freaking A. Mike, what are you drinking over there? I'm drinking the home base beer here, guys. No Bach, no rock. Still on tap at the tap room. I'm thoroughly shocked it's still on tap. If you haven't tried it, come in here and try it because it is excellent. And hopefully someday it comes back. How would you describe this Bach? It's a caramel style Bach. Kind of has that, that caramely taste to it. Yeah. It's uh, it's good. It's not like overly heavy. Like I, I, It looks like a, like a heavy dark beer, but when you drink it, it, it goes down very smooth and it's kind of like a light beer, in my opinion. Yeah, it's got a hearty base, but it's not like super boozy. Yeah, exactly. A hearty base. I like that. Hearty yeah. base. That was your nickname That's... back in high school, right? <laughs> I was going to say our our offensive line at Nebraska should have a hearty base. <laughs> we'll get a little more into that anyway. Uh, Connor. Uh, if you have listened to the uh, podcast before, you probably know what I'm going to be saying right here. I am drinking our Nebraska Pilsner because obviously go Nebraska. But it's a nice German-style pills, very light, little hoppy, but a really, really good crushable summer beer. I drink it year-round, but... Crushable. Crushable, baby. Uh, but it is perfect for the summer. And then Kyle, I think we finally get to hear it again. What are you drinking? I'm drinking the uh, Taco Vesa. But, 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 but. <laughs> I did try, and Connor, you'll have to tell me the name. It, I tried a pepper beer right when we got here. Mm. Pablabanero. 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 It is so hard to say. Okay. It was... Okay. I can't stress this enough. It was delicious. Like that was... That was a delicious beer. Like I I, I love it. The smile on your face when you took that that sip of that beer. I was like, Kyle, you look so happy. Yeah. (laughs) Like you never... I would never expect you to like a pepper beer. Yeah. But it was... It was good. I, I mean, I've had that in the past. I don't think we've ever talked about it on the pod, though. So, yeah. what, what is that beer? So, that is a wheat ale made with poblanos and habanero peppers. And every every time I say the word habanero, I see the fear in people's uh, faces. No. Yeah. But it is not spicy. It is like just pure vegetal. Like, you're going to get the taste of the pepper without any of the spice. And it is honestly incredible. Yeah. It's not like an episode of Hot Ones. Exactly. We don't want to do it's, that. It is, it's, a, it's very subtle and, you know, right up his alley. The next thing that we need to talk about before we get into any Husker news, we will be having a live show with two former Huskers, Dylan Utter and Sam Hahn. They will be here with us on August 1st 
at the Nebraska Brewing Company taproom. The doors open at 6, and we will hopefully start the show at 7. You know, get people loosed up, get them settled in, find a seat and all that stuff. We might be planning on having, like, drink specials if you want to get into that real quick. Yeah, it sounds like we're probably going to be doing a happy hour throughout the entire show, and we're looking at uh, running. It will likely be Taco Vesa running down to about $4 per pint. So, it'll be, you know, cheap for you guys to come in, get some beers, you know, watch the pod get filmed live or recorded live, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it, it'll be a really fun time. Yeah, okay. absolutely. You guys get to do it a little experience of what we do every single week. So come in, watch us talk, shoot some shit with some former players. It's kind of our favorite thing to do. So why not have a crowd? That'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing you a favor, guys, because we're just so entertaining. Can't miss. Can't miss TikTok, TV, whatever the hell. Yeah. Okay, guys. So... The big thing that was kind of announced uh, a couple days ago, Nuri Noeli, and I think I am saying that right. Probably. He was slated to start this year at left guard. He had started the last seven games last year and was a, I would say, a solid member of the O-line last year, you know, considering how not good as a whole they were. Where the unit was. Yeah. 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 Like, he's a guy that you doesn't really hear about much in terms of fucking up. Yeah. Well, and the thing about the offensive line last year, too, it just seems like you had good pieces. Like, somebody would shine, but, like, someone else wouldn't. And, you know, like, a line has to work together. Like, they have to be all in sync to be successful. And I think Nori did a good job. And he was a good success story, too. You know, being a walk-on transfer from Colorado State. Yeah. He started early there. Guy from Germany. I guess you can say kind of grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska for a little bit. And uh, yeah, and it's it's ironic that I say he didn't fuck up last year because, you know, if he's listening. Yeah. What, what did well, he you know, <laughs> He kind of fucked up, right? Uh, he got caught using some type of drug. We don't know for sure. He, he exactly. failed the drug test. That was his statement. Yeah. We he don't know for the sure. drug test. Um, the drug was enough that he will not be suiting up next year. When we say next year, we mean in 61 days versus Northwestern or any other game for that matter. So, guys, what does this mean for the offensive line going forward? Is it a big deal? Not a big deal? Critical year for Frost? Kind of needs everyone on board here? Not doing PEDs, we think, maybe? I don't know. I think it's a huge deal. Okay. Mm. Donovan Raiola, sure... Picked a hell of a time to get hired. He's <laughs> he's gotten a shit sandwich. Yeah. I, I feel bad for the guy because number one, he automatically came in with criticism because he doesn't have a whole lot of experience in his in his role that he has now. And so knowing that that was an issue all last year, everyone's wondering, why him? He doesn't have any experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so now he gets here and everybody kind of settles in and is like, okay, let's see what he's got. And now he's dealing with failed drug tests <laughs> and, you know... He, he, I don't know what that, what this leads to, right? Like that is such a huge deal to have somebody that has the experience that Newelli has from last year. And now that's a missing piece in an already chaotic and weird room that has just caused issues from the start. I totally agree that this is a huge deal, but it's funny because I'm going to come from a separate angle. We talked a few weeks ago about how thin this team is and how if we start to lose players that we 
end up with a lot of question marks about performance. What are we going to be able to do? How can we, you know, replace this? And you mentioned his experience last year. What do we say? He started the last six or seven games. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be filling that slot? Are they going to have that same talent? Are they going to be able to do this? I think the, the biggest issue for me is that depth chart. And I think this is a, a big, big deal, like leading into that. One thing that strikes me with Nori's suspension is the guy that, okay. So the guy that I think would benefit and is the missing piece right now is Bryce Benhart. That's a guy that's going to have to step up now because they've been already flirting with can Turner Corcoran play guard? Well, now guess what? We have an open guard position. You know, you got Prohaska going to left tackle. And if Ben Hart can hold up at right tackle, I mean, everything will be fine. But if he cannot, you're going to have a lot of problems. And they brought in Kevin Williams, uh, Omaha kid, uh, transferred in here. And maybe he can shine at that left guard position. But I will say that I think that position is wide open for Turner Corcoran if Bryce Ben Hart can finally take a step. I mean, he was a, a highly ready recruit when he came to Nebraska. Big guy perfect like pro style tackle at that position and he just has not played well another name that i keep hearing is henry lutovsky and coming at it from from a more skeptical angle like he was a true freshman last year and he played a little bit and then he redshirted the last thing that we need as a program right now in my opinion are 18 19 year old guys on the O-line, right? But Teddy Perhaska is 18, 19 I, years old. I know. And you, that shouldn't be your O-line, right? That yeah, should be like that was one point. guy. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe zero guys in an ideal situation. But, yeah, I mean, Noelle is supposed to be that experienced guy. With this O-line already being the weakness of the team, I mean, look, <laughs> week after week after week, I've been talking about the O-line. We're in the Big Ten. For F's sake, can, can I stop seeing these wide receivers that run four fours and four threes? I don't give a shit about that. Honestly, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, we we need some athletic dudes. Sure. We need O linemen. And now that Noel, has gone, you know, he can still practice. And it's like, maybe he still needs to practice because he needs reps, but we know how practices have been under frost not the greatest based off of, you know, what we've seen on the field, but yeah, this team was already filled with holes on the O-line and the holes just a little bit deeper now. And this was already, like I said before, a critical year where you can't afford any more F ups because you're going to get fired if you don't win games. Well, the good news is like the Big Ten is not notorious for having stacked defensive lines, big dudes that are coming straight through there. No, this is like the Big 12 or the, the AAC, if you will. Yeah, the storyline. And this is something we talk about every single week is that this is not the year to have these things happen. Seriously, in year five, can we stop having these dumb things? The Boneyard banter, Eric talks about this a lot. Scott Frost, it just seems like every single year there has to be some sort of like big thing going on. Nebraska's being sued or Scott Frost is in trouble or <laughs> dudes are failing drug tests and getting canceled for the season or like like just name it, right? Every single year something has gone wrong and who knows the cause, the root cause. Are we fucking cursed? Like what? I don't know. But all I'm saying is that this is not the year 
for your offensive line to be just the biggest question mark on the football team? And we obviously don't know what substance uh, was popped on the drug test. That I'm not here to speculate on that. But knowing that this year is critical for your team, for your coaching staff, what the hell are you thinking? I think maybe he's thinking that. It's critical year. I've got to, I got to beef up. And then naturally presuming that it is a performance enhancing drug. Because let's let's just talk about this right now. Okay. I don't think they even test for weed anymore. I don't, I don't think I don't they think like look, okay, if, how could you? If it was like cocaine or something, I still don't think you get the whole year off. I'm yeah. just, I right. mean, come on now. No. You know there there are hundreds, if not thousands, of kids every year. In, in all of college sports that oh, test man. positive for, you know, not sure. test positive, I'm thinking COVID now, <laughs> um, that pop hot for like marijuana and other like drugs and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, they just don't do that and quarantine. move along. This has to be something that involves the sport. What would, what would he be doing or what would he be taking that could, you know, involve <laughs> something in the sport? It, so. it seems likely that it's some, some form of anabolic. Yeah. I mean, that just seems likely, but I mean, and like you said, like maybe if it is an anabolic, thinking I got to get beef up. I got to get bigger. But I mean, now you obviously you've been caught and you have left your unit with more question marks than you started with. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a detriment than it is a, and a positive. Like the, the, the risks do not outweigh uh, like the, the consequences to your team. I will say I have heard of athletes taking things that they feel are approved and then it turns out that it's not. And then it's regardless if you knew it was good or it wasn't good you're still, you still broke the rule. And it's yeah. kind of like, a, you know, uh, what do they always, what do they say? Like ignorance is no excuse. Ignorance. Yeah. yeah. Is no excuse. Yeah. Right. So like if you, if you broke, if you broke the rule and you weren't aware that it was like a banned substance or something in, in the NCAA, like it's unfortunate, but yeah, you did break the rule. Right. I'm sorry. You didn't know about it. Right. That very well could be the possibility here. And usually when we see a player get, you know, get caught using these things, their apology is usually saddled with, I didn't know what I was taking. You know, my yes. physician recommended this. Sure. With, in his apology, he didn't say no. any of that. He just said straight up that it was an error in judgment. Yeah. It didn't and seem so, to be like a ton of remorse. It was like, I knew what I did. Yeah. Uh, I my bad. Like, I, fucked yeah. up. Yeah. I guess I won't play. Um, thanks, coach, for letting me be on the squad still. I will say, <laughs> if I'm Nori Noelle and I'm trying to beef up for my team, I'm trying to win games, right? I'm going to keep taking the steroids <laughs> in the off season. I mean, you've got a year anyway. <laughs> He's got a whole year. So, okay, that's... Get fucking yoked. <laughs> that's all I got to say. If get you're fucking listening, yoked. Keep taking it because... If you're listening, just keep... Are you, gonna, are you still going to get tested now? You're not yeah, fucking I was, playing. I was going to say, they're going to keep testing you while you're suspended? Like, what are we doing here? Just keep doing it. Can the NCAA <laughs> investigate a podcast for recommending <laughs> players to use steroids? Can we get, can we get investigated? You okay, know, but sticking on that, <laughs> of course, Nebraska gets caught using right in the off season where one, why are you being tested right now? Unless there was some sort of like, you're giving them reasonable doubt to test you. Or how did you not know that they were going to be testing you at that point? Because it's the off season. Like, why are you being tested right now? Well, and I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, Mike, they test, you know, 10 players each month and they, they piss in front of a cup in front of the guys that are, you know, the, the NCAA officials and they whip their little hogs out and they piss in a cup. I don't know. I don't know. Well, um, that's, I mean, but yeah, it, it makes you wonder like, were they, you know, tipped 
about yeah. something and they were like, hmm, maybe we should go to Lincoln real quick. Well, they've already done, they've already fucked up other times, so why wouldn't they fuck up now? They That's, got enough investigations going. Why, might as well add to what's it. What's another right? one? Well, so that was, like another you said, one. like my point is how many times have we been caught doing things that are, you know, not necessarily terrible, but not legal. We know that we're under a microscope. We continue to get caught time and time again. Yeah. Maybe just don't do it. Like, you know, they're going to be looking. I mean, you know, they're looking at us. So let's go back to, let's go back to our conversation with Dan Lust. He was under the understanding that there was some sort of like witch hunt or some sort of like conspiracy involving Nebraska. I don't think, I don't think that this would necessarily fall under that category, but it is, it just seems odd (laughs) that it's every year there's some sort of headlines in the national news, something that Nebraska has done wrong and something that they're breaking the rules or they're cheating or now they're being sued or like, do you mean to tell me the week before the season started last year that all these allegations of cheating come out? And that's when we talked with Dan Lust, right? Timing. It's always, it's always it's, just it's always, convenient. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't think this falls under that whole conspiracy thing or whatever, but it's just, you know, back to my point, like are we cursed or is this this just seems more than just a coincidence. It seems like there's always just some giant thing happening. I know I, what it is. It's Nebraska. Yeah. Like that, that is what it is. It's Nebraska. I mean, just think about the headlines that we've had since the end of the Iowa game. Just think about it. We've been in the headlines nonstop from the end of last season to the start of this season. We have not stayed out of the headlines. I mean, Scott Frost hot seat, new coaching staff, USA Today's lawsuit. Right. I will say that I think it's a sentiment that most Husker fans can agree with is that like at times it can be very miserable. But I'll be goddamned if they don't keep it spicy. Every day, I'm you know, people, scrolling and waiting. It for makes the next our job line. easy. Also, yeah. yeah, there's there's like people on our TikTok account that are like, "Oh, these losers talking about a loser football program." Like, we have shit to talk about every minute of every day. Yeah, it's incredible. Like them losing doesn't change the fact that for one, we love the we love the fucking program. Okay, first Absolutely. of all, yeah. Second of all. Them losing doesn't take storylines away. It just yeah, adds it more. Has to be discussed, <laughs> especially and, and maybe my bias is going to come out here a little bit, but the headlines are especially saucy and juicy. Oh yeah. If Scott Frost is the head coach, a guy who has a history of for one not not winning at a power 5 level, but also seeming to run a team that is undisciplined both on the field and off it. Yep. So this is just another thing. And it, it, this kind of leads me into our, our next topic. So you, you got guys using probably PEDs. We had a player commit, an in-state player, Maverick Noonan, D-line, edge rusher. Woo! So we have PEDs and a Noonan on our squad, which brings me back to the 80s. we're trying to bring the 80s back hey let's go but guess what in the 80s we weren't getting fucking caught (laughs) that's right and so because who who do we have good at cheating yeah and it paid off right who did we have at the helm of the ship there who did we have the saint the saint Mm -hmm. the god (laughs) tom osborne the g-o-d you know what i'm saying so yeah but let's let's talk about maverick noonan um he's a guy that was you know, highly prized, highly touted. I don't want to say highly touted, but like if you look at his offer sheet as the type of guys, if you're an edge rusher, you'd probably be very interested in, right? Yep. Um, oh, Iowa offer. A lot of people might go, oh, it's Iowa, who cares? 
Iowa's kicked your ass, and they put dudes in the league. So if Iowa saw something in Mav Noonan, there, there's got to be a little, a little fruit there, a little seed there that hopefully you can water and develop. And he can go off to the NFL and you put that red, that red N on his helmet, Mike. But but it takes <laughs> it takes good coaches to plant or you know water that seed and oh, put them in the NFL. And you're so negative. Iowa has a proven track record of doing that, and this staff does not. So, but hey, well, uh, but well you well, can't say this. Well, yeah, that is this is not the same staff. You like, know what? I will say though, like you know, we had dudes drafted, even though the team sucks, right? Guys have been drafted. However, I will say. You know, Noonan, he's a legacy guy. He's coming here. And so, you know, if you're the hope, the hopeful fan who, who sips Kool-Aid, not necessarily guzzles it, but you sip it, you think, hmm, a, Noonan's com- a Noonan is coming here under Frost's watch. Maybe they see something and they believe in this head coach that he's going to stick around and he's going to do well. You would think if, you know, you... Cluster Johnson, he's a guy that a lot of Husker fans don't like anymore because his son's and he's going to Iowa and blah, blah, blah. And he's vocal about it. And he's, so, yeah, and yeah. he is, he is kind of whipping his dick out. Like he kind of just lays it out there. Like, yeah, my dude, my son's at Iowa, not Nebraska. What's up? But so you got this Noonan coming here. It maybe gives you some faith that they see something in the program that they want their son to go there. Well, and here's the thing too these Friday night lights. Um, these camps that are going on and the feedback that you're getting from some very highly recruited individuals that are going to these camps and stuff like that all around the country, you have to have some sort of optimism based off of what these kids are telling you. And this is something that we, I, I think we have a guest here coming up here pretty quick that, that is a, a current player. Um, and so I'm interested in knowing like, what, what is the, what's the pitch? Like, what are you seeing as a, as a kid that wants to go to college and play college football? What are you guys seeing that the fans, obviously all we see is a losing record, some undisciplined shit going on, on the field, off the field. Like we just see all the bad headlines. What are you seeing that makes you want to buy in that makes you want to continue or join this program? And something that we're seeing is that all of these highly touted recruits, Oshawn Mathis and just uh, all the all the high school kids that came through in the last few Fridays. What you're seeing is all of them have good things to say, despite the freaking shitty record. They still want to at least come to Lincoln, Nebraska, and see the campus. Like, is it Mickey Joseph by himself? I can't just be him, right? No. It's got to be other things. We've always said you got to get him here. The the pitch for Nebraska is once you get them here, you can learn about Nebraska. It's not just cornfields and bullshit. Like this is a historic program that has a lot to offer, especially name, image, and likeness. You're seeing those big names and we pulled in big names before name, image, and likeness, but you're seeing those big names come back through here. Despite the record, they enjoy their visits at Nebraska because they're getting on the throne. They're getting the VIP treatment, but that's what you need to do when you're Nebraska. I mean, we are not a recruiting powerhouse in the Midwest. We don't have the same things that these teams in the South and in the West coast have to offer. We don't have beaches. We don't have, Beautiful women in bikinis all day. Like, come on. <laughs> I We got corn-fed women. And we have Connor. <laughs> and then we have exactly. Connor. I think, and this is like a really weird thing to say, I think one of the biggest recruiting pitches right now is our losing record. It is the ability to come to a historic program and help rebuild it and bring it back to national glory. And I think showing players like O'Shawn Mathis, like showing these kids, like, look at what we can be. And look at, even when we go three and nine, 
that stadium is still going to be packed. They, they just want to support this program and you can be a part of bringing this back to where we were. I think that is a big deal. And obviously Mickey Joseph is doing a fantastic job at whatever he's doing. Yeah. If we're packing the stands at three and nine, imagine what this place is going to be like when we're 10 and two. Yeah. There will be riots. Yeah. I, I mean, the, literally the state would explode. Well, and you bring up a good point. It's like, okay, yeah. It, using that as a recruiting pitch, your lack of success is flipping it and making the most, uh, making the most out of it. But haven't we been doing that for the last 20 years? Like even I, when we were going nine and three, Hey, imagine being the best program again, being on top of the world again. So I feel like we've been doing it, but now we have to do it even more. Like, yeah, look where we were and look where we're at now. I think going and saying, you know, we were three and nine. Look how easy it is to improve. And you go and you go from three and nine to nine and three, which is, I'm not saying that's what we're going to be doing this year, but getting there is like, you will be part of a team that has talked about for years about the revival of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I think that is a huge pitch. The pitch has to be something similar to what he has to, just like what you just said just now, imagine flipping it from three to nine to nine and three. I mean, Scott Frost can say, look, we were 0 and 12 at UCF and we went 12 and 0. Like we flipped it. We just want you to help us flip it. But when does that, when does that spiel run out? Like he's 15 and 29 at Nebraska. It's like, when can you stop using your UCF leverage? I feel like that, that's got to be running dry. I'm sure it's. I'm, I'm sure it's, it's gone. gone. Yeah. I'm just saying it's just yeah, an no, example. I, I get yeah. it. Yeah, it's dust. Yeah, yeah I mean that's got to be fucking a dead horse. But <laughs> so we we talked about this. I don't know how many episodes ago where we asked all of us whether we still considered Nebraska blue blood program. Yeah, obviously all of us said yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I I think that is a big deal. Is that you're at a what I would now call a fledgling blue blood. Let's get back. Let's get back. And even incremental success, we go, you know, eight and four this year. You're still going to be talked about as like, look at what these guys did over the course of one off season. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a huge, huge deal for these young players, or even like we said, these older transfers to be a part of that team. And I think we see a lot of players that do genuinely care, even if, you know, like Casey Thompson, O'Shawn Mathis, they're going to be here for one year, but they still want to be a part of that movement. Yeah. I think with the, the whole strength of these visits, and even these commitments that we are getting, I think the thing that we can take away from it is, you know, God forbid if this thing with Frost doesn't work out, you know, which obviously would be the, it'd be heartbreaking, right? Yeah. But I think the the myth that we could dispel or the thing that people question is, you know, who are you going to bring in? What coach would want to come here? You know, after they, they let go of Frost, you know, they don't give their coaches a chance. I think what coaches can do is they can look at Nebraska and say, despite their shit records, they still bring in solid classes on paper. And you would think, you know, a coach that is worth their salt would look at this situation and say, I could go there. I can recruit top 20, maybe 15 classes. You know, maybe that'd be the best case scenario. And the previous staff didn't get it done, but God damn it, I can get it done and my staff can. Even with their, their crappy records, they're still bringing in top 20s. I can come in and do the same thing and actually do something with it. And so I think if you're a coach with your salt, you look at that and you don't hesitate coming here and you're not coming here in fear that you will fail 
like the previous staff did. That's yeah. just the takeaway I'm, I can take away from that. Does yeah. that take us back to the whole, you know, we are a blue blood program and look, you could be the guy to rebuild it. I think, again, there is still you'd a be lot a of legend there. Yeah. You'd be a legend. Well, exactly. And the thing is, is like, we're getting top 20 recruiting classes before NIL. I mean, right. I, yeah. like, I'm, like we've said numerous times on here, we're probably a top five NIL school. So that those classes could go up from there too. And if you're a coach looking for an opportunity of a sleeping giant, potentially Nebraska could be that place. And another thing too, is we talked about it last week that our fan base as it stands right now has battered wife syndrome and our expectations for this program right now are low. So if you come in here and you do your eight, nine wins, you know, you'll, you're, the fans aren't going to be clamoring for your job and saying, get the hell out. Cause we saw that with Frank. We saw that with Bo. We would like to think that we learned our lesson. Now, if you start doing that consistently with the eight and nine, there are going to be fans out there that say, where's the next step at? You know, what's, what's above nine. Can we get above the nine, please? That was kind of Bo's issue was you would get the nine, but God, the conference title is right there, but you can't close the deal. Well, and can't win the big one. And not only was it the big one, it was you get blown out and you lose a game you shouldn't lose. And the whole audio tape situation, talking shit on the fans, pretty much spitting on refs. That whole that whole thing, pretty much weekly, it seemed like he was always doing something on the sidelines. I was kind of embarrassing. That also played a part in him not currently having the job. So this is going to be a hot take. The recording where he talked about the Fairweather fans with yeah. Bo, I actually didn't mind that. I think that showed a pure love for the program, and he was so upset that he wasn't seeing that love reciprocated from the fans. And I understand that is an incredibly hot take, but I think Bo really was. We did say, you know, he wasn't winning the big games. Right now, we're not even winning the small ones. No. So I, I think that anger that we saw out of Bo was not, you know, I hate this program, like, fuck these fans. I think it was literally just, I love this program so much. Why don't you? He talks about it to this day, talking oh, yeah. about people walking out in that at halftime against Ohio State and stuff like that. And after that, I think that was, after that game was when they did the recording, right? Yeah, it was and the when comeback he, when Braxton Miller went down and we came back and from 17 and beat Ohio State. Connor, I don't think it's as hot takey as you think, though. I mean, I if anybody knows Bo Polini, and we've had tons of Bo guys, Fiery. He is a passionate motherfucker. Right. Like the guy, he wears his emotions on his sleeve and he goes to bat for his team no matter what. And so, yeah, if your fans are walking out and booing you and then you make the most epic comeback in school history against your alma mater, yeah. you know, and it was on your field, yeah. you like, you know, that that's kind of, it would sit, it wouldn't sit well with anybody sitting here. It's a here. slap in the face. Yes. And so I understand what he's saying. It's just how he says it. But Bo doesn't care. Like, Bo, is, Bo isn't a guy that likes to be filtered. That's why yeah. he's doing his own podcast stuff now. That's why he's coming out now and talking about it. Because he doesn't give a fuck. So I don't think it's as hot take as you think. But, yeah, I think the next coach at Nebraska, you got to find a good balance between – one, that no, a guy that knows how to win games. And two, like a guy that could be a good face to your program. Scott Frost was everything that we thought he could be, but he's hasn't had any success at all. You, you got to find a coach that is, of, of course, is aware of the fishbowl that he's walking into. And he can kind of uh, compartmentalize, I guess. Like he can, he can kind of 
not tune things out. Not that's not the word, but it's like you're you're able to organize your feelings in such a way where you're detached and like you just. I think if you were to ask Bo, he would tell you, "I I had a give. I don't give a fuck attitude. Complete opposite. You gave a fuck and you gave too much of a fuck. You know what I mean? And yeah, show right. and that and like we look back and you know we take for granted those years, but you need to find a coach that like literally will do his thing and not give a fuck and you know not not be caught on tape saying fuck this fuck that cunt 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 yeah it's a bad luck yeah the you c know. word he loved the c word <laughs> <laughs> i mean granted granted that came out after he lost his job this whole c word thing but yeah um you got to find a coach that, that is able to be somewhat of a sociopath because do you think I, don't, I know he wins a lot of games so it's not really a problem for him. But like Nick Saban, right? He, I feel like he's a guy that would just have a kind of a sociopathic kind of look at things. Like he could, he's able to separate criticism from what he has to do. And he just doesn't give a fuck what you think. And he's not going to like embarrass himself in the process, I guess. This is so like philosophical, but like I feel like Saban is able to separate like the criticism and the reality. Like mm, he, he sure. like he he can he talks on the reality of things and he responds to the criticism and he's like he'll he'll straight up just call everybody out on the bullshit. Like I I specifically remember one clip he's talking about some kid had messed up he'd done something wrong or whatever and he flat out just gets in front of the press and he's like, "What do you want me to do? Just kick him out, send him on his way, just totally forget about him and let him go down some road that that." he's not supposed to be on yeah i remember that or do i give him a second chance and just let him keep doing his thing like i don't know he just seems like you know bo was very emotional and saban is very like he just analytical analytical yeah Um, Yeah, they're they're good he's cold like he's cold like he does his job he doesn't let the outside noise get to him he he does his thing i mean it's kind of hard to explain but you just have to like detach yourself a little bit okay um the next topic that we'll touch on real quick is this little Twitter spat that that we saw with one of our fellow Cornhusker fans and a guy that follows us on Twitter at NBNR Podcast. Good plug. Thank you. Um, his name is Cornhusker1, and he got in a little riffraff, a little, a little uh, fuck, little I don't spat. even know, a little... A little spat. Are we a spat? Yeah. A little spat. A little nip, nipple twisting thing with a K-State <laughs> fan. So, a, a, a running just real quick, a running back that we were targeting... Committed to K-State. And, you know, he he commented, Cornhusker Juan commented, he said something. And then a K-State fan came back at him and said, basically, that Kansas State's been a more successful football program in the 21st century. And they've been ranked number one for, I think it was like three days or something in the BCS. And like, that was enough to kind of say that K-State's a better football program than Nebraska. Good for you. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like I have, I have Mike recording me, which is great. Hello, TikTok. Maybe we can just talk about, you know, Adrian going there and, and where K-State stands as a football program along with Nebraska at this moment. So how do, we view, how do we view K-State? I think a little apple at the current moment. I would say K-State is more successful. I think that's a pretty easy thing to say. S- sitting here, what's the date? June, what is it? Uh, the, I'm colorblind. June 27th <laughs> of 2022. 
As of today, I would say K-State is more successful, but I think to say that they've been a more successful program in the 21st century is laughable. Um, they have had some great talent come through there, but I, I don't think that it's been enough to say that they could unseat, obviously, like the Bow years. I, the, the Bow years, again, we talked about earlier. We were going 9-3. and three, We weren't winning the big games, but it was consistent success, even if it wasn't all of it. And they were like, you always hear, heard that stat that we were among, you know, Alabama and like three other top tier schools that won nine games a year every year exactly and so like we still won a lot of games still accumulated listen if we're talking history k-state's well, not shit. even in the conversation I mean, top 50 or 60 maybe this is coming from a dude myself i respect maybe adore maybe adore bill snyder that the the job that he did at k-state is arguably the greatest job that any head coach has ever done at any program. When he arrived there, it was like Pearl Harbor, like, like Pearl Harbor. And then like someone shit on it. <laughs> We're leaving that in. Like it was a terrible job. Manhattan, Kansas. What the, what's there? Nothing. He went there and he built a respectable program that, you know, if you look at the overall record, of course, Nebraska leads like 76 to 15 or some shit like that. Sure. But Bill Snyder had teams that kicked Nebraska's ass. 1479. You were close. Okay. Yep. So like, yeah, a lot to a little. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, this is coming from a dude that, that loves Bill Snyder, appreciates the job that he did, but Jesus Christ, can we not compare the two? Yeah, I mean, historically, a, absolutely not. Yeah, that's not an argument that I'm willing to have. When your best player of all time is like fucking Darren Sproles, who gives a shit? Hey. <laughs> I'm just Ter saying. Terrence Newman was good. Hey, Josh Freeman should have came to Nebraska, lost to Nebraska four years in a row. That's awesome. I mean, there's things like that. Kansas State is not a good program but they are a better program than nebraska right now right now. yes historically yes. this guy is like holding on to a number one ranking in the bcs what that year? happened in 2012 was it 2012 yeah and they held on to it for a week a week yeah. <laughs> and he's like you've never been number one we've been number one more recently you go look at winsipedia <laughs> they have i love that zero zero weeks as number one in the AP. How many weeks? Zero. But what about the BCS, man? The BCS. But, the, yeah. That flawless you, system. You mean the thing that is fucking deader than fucking all hell? <laughs> There's a reason we changed I already, systems, did Listen, I already made a Pearl Harbor joke. <laughs> okay? No, no more dead stuff, okay? But yeah, the one thing that he's holding on to is that number one ranking. And you know what? If you watched that K-State game on that fateful day, they did have a one next to their name. Which is awesome. Because Congrats. ESPN had to put it on there. Because <laughs> yeah. the ESPN wants, you know, the viewership. Yeah, nobody acknowledged it. Like, I mean, there was nobody watching. <laughs> they have 200 fans. So. Yeah, it's K-State. <laughs> Think about this. Let, let, me, let me just twist your brains in a pretzel really quick. Their head coach was from North Dakota State. Climbing, right? Yes, Climbing. From North Dakota State. Took over a powerhouse that was formed <laughs> by a former Husker. Ooh coach in Craig Bowl. Uh-huh. So, anything that K-State does stems from a Nebraska guy. Do we get to take credit for that? Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, if you take credit for one week in the BCS, I think we can take credit for anything K-State does now. <laughs> God. <laughs> Shifting back to 
if Frost doesn't work out, and like we've told our listeners a hundred times, we want this to work. We we hope this works so badly. We, yes, we want it to work. Do you think Mickey Joseph gets an interview? Well, yeah, I think he's going to get an interview for sure. I think it would be insane to say that he doesn't. Right. If he wants it. Sure. It'd be a bad look if you didn't, if you're Trev. Especially, I feel like that talk about him, you know, he's like the associate head coach. I know it's a title and people will say it's just a title. If he doesn't even get a sit down, then it's not a good look for Trev. Because, yeah, I mean, look, he's he's had so many jobs and... His resume speaks for itself. It's like, it's a, it's about time that he get to that head coach level. He's he's been an assistant so. for he's been an assistant for like thirty plus. But he years. hasn't been an offensive coordinator on any Power Five school. Like, okay, so is are you arguing that he shouldn't get an interview then, or that? No, I think he'll get an interview because he's a legacy and he and he's a former player. Okay. So but, it'll be more of a favor. But I, I think he's also going to be retained regardless. I think whoever comes in here. Is going to be told that Mickey Joseph is on your staff. So find a way to, to and he'll be like that middleman to mesh the two the two staffs together. I think we mentioned this earlier where when we were talking about Bo, we want a guy that really, really loves the program and cares about what we're trying to do here, but needs to be a bit more level headed. I mean, we can't have C bombs getting dropped all the time, especially when you're being recorded. Um, I think Mickey Joseph is that guy. I think he is a guy that deeply cares about the program. He's clearly very level-headed. He's an incredible recruiter. And, you know, while he maybe doesn't have all the experience we need, I think he would be, in my opinion, a top-tier candidate. Your seat, when we hired Frost, that was another one of the arguments was, he loves the program. He gets it. Hasn't panned out yet. So, I don't think just because you're knowledgeable about the program and that you love it, and that you that you've been in it, you've been in the cesspool, so to speak. I don't think that's an automatic qualifier necessarily. Like, I'd agree. just just if there's a better person out there that Swing has for the fences. If it has, if they've never been associated with the university, that's okay. Good. Oh yeah, I am. I'm you not. Know? I'm not saying that is like a requirement, but like right. obviously we've seen Mickey Joseph have have success. We know he can do his job. <coughs> can he do it as a head coach? That is an entirely different question. And a lot of people, they're going to point to to him and say, no head coaching experience. How many years of head coaching experience did T.O. have? I'm going to go off the cuff and say none. How many years of experience did Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame have? He has none. zero. None. And uh, you know, of course, he still has to do the actual thing to see how he does. Sure. But if... A blue blood like Notre Dame hired Marcus Freeman with z- like literally zero head coaching experience. It's okay if we do, if we feel like he is the best man for the job and that's it. But you could argue that Notre Dame hired Marcus Freeman because they, one, they've already had success and they don't want to take away what's working. So if you keep a guy that already knows what's working, they already have a framework of how it works at Notre Dame, no. how to win games. And that's the TO argument too. You know, he yes. was in it and the framework was already there. Right. Yeah. So I just Good my point. thing is if if Scott Frost doesn't work out, you're gonna look at it as lack of experience as a, as a power five head coach. You know. Yeah. I, I mean, he got the short end of the stick sometimes, but 
at the end of the day, your record is what it is. I can and, agree with that. And I mean, looking at like Notre Dame and stuff, it's like they were also looking for they were doing a coaching change in one of the craziest coaching carousels. Oh yeah, in in in, in football history. Like last yeah. last year, the the craziness that went on with uh, Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly, like shit was just going crazy last year. So, I mean, I don't yeah. know if they had a whole lot of options to be honest, but well, Brian would have probably stayed if they, if they would have had a 360 camera. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> dude, he looks like such a goober in those dude. Uh, can we, I, I want to guys, can we just censor Lincoln Riley's name? I never want to hear that name said around me ever again. <laughs> I, I hate that. dude. But I will ask before we sign off here, I'm curious to know the ranking of Brian Kelly's class at LSU right now. Is that paying off? Is that 360 camera paying off? I feel like it might be pushing a recruits away. Like, I don't want to fucking be in that. I mean, but then again, you know, if the recruit is in it, he goes viral himself. True. You know. Because his coach looks like an absolute idiot. <laughs> so, you know, just brings him more exposure, the player. So, they're sitting at number 12. Number 12. So, yeah. That, I mean, I would take that. Uh, yeah, I would take I mean, number 12. And just, you got to remember, it's not, we're not even close to signing day. So... I want to see Scott Frost in a 360 video. I don't. I want to uh, see Kirk Ferentz in a 360 video. Nobody wants to see that. I want to see. I want to see Kirk. I don't want to see Brian fucking Kelly doing it. I want to see Kirk Ferentz doing it. I want to see him sell camera? out. He does. I oh. do. I do have a 360. You got to bring it for the live show, just Scott. Because I, I know you're listening. Because this is the source of Nebraska football information. Let Kyle do a 360 video for you. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the hookup, guys. Well, okay. let's wrap this shit up. Let's wrap it up. Let's do some, you know, housekeeping. Twitter at NBNR Podcast. NBNR, no block, no rock. People have asked, what does NBNR stand for? No block, no rock. That's it's what in it's, the intro. It's, I mean, it's, people ask, you got to answer it. You know, even though it's like in our videos and it's, anyway. Not frustrated at all by that. Not going to go Bopolini on you. Trigger. <laughs> um, NBNRpodcast.com. There you will find past episodes. You will find merch that you can buy from Etsy. There are so many cool designs on there. We have cool hats, polos. Handbags. Tote, tote bags. bags. Shirts. Stickers if you're into that sort of thing. It's all there. Go look at it. What else? Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're there. Give us a five-star review. We need it. We appreciate it. Hit that download button. You know, we're on TikTok now. Subscribe on TikTok. Yeah, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Just do all... All right, guys. Make it as complicated as possible for yourself. <laughs> Every <laughs> right. step you can possibly take. We're not going to give it to you. You have to go and Google us <laughs> and go to page two, all right, to find us. Okay, guys, let's sign off. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Hall, Kyle Byers, Mike Delaware, and Connor Cadillac. And as always, GBR. <laughs> <laughs>